0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, the
3: Edmonton Elks, they finally, finally, finally get their first win of the young CFL season, which is not all that young anymore because it's a 14-game season, but they find a way. 21-16 yesterday over the BC Lions, a game where they uh, they were down early, but uh, came back and were able to kind of slug a game out where, yeah, they let the BC Lions with Michael Riley uh, come back in the game or give them an opportunity to come back, but it uh, didn't happen. So the Elks survive a gritty game, and I thought they played pretty well and uh, we'll hear uh, some of the flavor from last night from BC Play Stadium in Vancouver. It was a cool atmosphere, 12,500, which is the maximum they could have under the uh, BC health restrictions, and uh, they're hoping to have more fans uh, or the ability to have more fans next month. Uh, they don't have a, a home game now until the 11th of September. I believe they will be the second game of a doubleheader that night uh, as after the Labor Day rematch game between the Elks and Peters, They'll host the Ottawa Redblacks. Blacks. How you Doing it's Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins uh, for the final time this week. Uh, Reed will be back on Monday. want to thank again Brendan Escott for uh, doing a great job on uh, Wednesday night hosting the show. It's been a bit of a topsy turvy kind of I shouldn't say topsy turvy, it's been uh, interesting. We're in the uh, throes of summer here as summer is just winding down uh, slowly. We hope uh, September will be nice as the kids go back to school, but uh, yeah, it's uh, a week where. Reed is off, Bob Stoffer is off, so it's been uh, filling hosts and I uh, hope we're doing a good job and hope we're entertaining you. Uh, still to come tonight, or later on tonight, we will talk a lot about the Edmonton Elks this hour and we'll be joined at the bottom of the clock by Blake Dermott, one of our in-game analysts on Elks broadcast here on 630 Ched. And uh, we'll uh, look back on a pretty... Gritty win by the Edmonton Elks over the BC Lions. The Women's World Hockey Championship is underway in Calgary. And uh, Canada right now taking on Finland. They're in the third period of play. Uh, Aaron Ambrose with a uh, redirect gives Canada a 3-2 lead over Finland. Canada was down uh, 2-0 against Finland, who are uh, a very veteran team and could challenge Canada and the U.S. That's, as we know, the traditional gold medal game in a world involving uh, women's hockey. And, you know, I'm looking forward to this. We're going to talk with Alyssa Longnear, who writes for The Athletic, covers women's hockey from an analytics perspective. She's really good. I've read her stuff today. And you'll be kind of surprised. Some of you might know where she's from. And for those that don't, I'm not going to spill the beans. So she has a really great story. So we're going to talk about uh, women's hockey and the women's worlds, and they're finally playing some meaningful hockey for the first time in a couple of years. And you know it's the uh, World Triathlon Championships here in Edmonton. It's nice to have this event back. And David Hirsch will be by. He's a uh, triathlete. He's going to run in the corporate race on Sunday. So it's a great event. There's uh, five of six medalists. At uh, the from the Tokyo Olympics, including the gold medalists from each the men's and women's triathlon. So so that's tremendous. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll keep you up to date. Uh, well we'll uh, we'll let you know what David Hirsch is doing on Sunday. And uh, when I say we're going to keep you up to date, well there's a lot of things going on right now. There really is. It's Championship Weekend in the CEBL. Uh, the Edmonton Stingers will take on the Ottawa Blackjacks coming up at 7:30 at the Hive down at the Edmonton Expo Center. And uh, there's a game going on right now, the uh, first semi-final, and uh, just getting that up for you right now, if I can. Ah, da, 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 da. Okay, we'll get that shortly. Here, we had full disclosure, and Callan Kennedy's back at the Ched Central. Like, Yo. how long? How long did it take for things to kind of come together? Because I'm going to tell you, I fired up my laptop i i did what i usually do here when i'm going live it always has worked and then it didn't work so how mm. how far in advance did everything come together before you know you hit my microphone button back to the station
1: uh as we were rolling opening so 20 yeah, pretty seconds
3: much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that's exactly if that. right. yes. <laughs> that's exactly right so if i'm a little flustered uh, that's why the, so, the scramble you know.
2: was on folks. The scramble was on, <laughs> but
3: we
1: are here. We are live on a Friday night and, uh, so,
3: yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. So, uh, the first semifinal is the Niagara river lions. who I believe lost to the stingers in the final last year, if I'm correct in the uh, tournament in the uh, Niagara region of Ontario, they're taking on the Fraser Valley bandits. Mm-hmm. I do not have a score yet. Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, in uh, period number three, it is Niagara up 42-36. So the winner of this game advances to the final to play either the Stingers or the Ottawa Blackjacks. you got to think the Stingers are going mm-hmm. to be a favorite for sure. Still to come tonight, CFL. We're going to see uh, the Calgary Stampeders with their third-string quarterback, uh, Jake Meyer, as he is going to... Uh, Try to replace Bo Levi Mitchell. <laughs> just uh, I laugh because I just, you know, I'm trying not to be mean or anything like that. But, wow, that's uh, going to be a tall order against the Montreal Alouettes. We saw them. They are very, very ferocious up front. So, Jake Meyer is someone that can scramble more than the Canadian Michael O'Connor who's got a lot of uh, big play of uh, ability. They call it a lively arm. So, we'll see what happens tonight when the uh, 1-0... and alouettes take on the owen two calgary stampede it says they fall to owen three i'm sure the edmonton elks will not be uh shedding too many tears here but let's hear how it all happened they were physical on defense they were efficient in moving the ball again on offense they got a touchdown they got time of possession they got way more yards than they got a win
1: Now second and ten. We're on the 42. Riley takes a snap and drops back. He'll throw, takes a big hit on the play and the ball goes incomplete. Williams again in coverage and Mike Riley is he's, down. He's hurt. Mike. He is slow to get up, being helped up by teammates and he is woozy as he walks off the field. It was Mike Moore that came in and delivered the shot. Cooper stands to the left of Riley. He'll have three receivers to the wide side to his right. He takes a deep drop. Pressure's coming. Down goes Riley. Costigan gets in there. Betts is in there. Serezna is in there. What a rush. The three Canadians go out to the right side. That's Ross, Jones and Smith. And starts Harris takes the drop, looks to the left side, he's going deep down the sidelines, and that is complete. Yes. Nice grab by Greg Ellingson, and that'll get the Elks out of trouble in a hurry. Well, you want to talk about there's the chemistry we've been waiting for. There it is. And this ball goes to James Wilder Jr. up the middle, he'll get across the 30, and that should be good for a first down for the Elks. They'll move the chains and set up first and 10 from the 23 yard line. There's Harris in the pocket. He'll throw. He's got a man open. That is complete. Inside the 15 to Ellingson. He'll dive ahead to the 10-yard line and takes the snap. Looks, throws to the back of the end zone. There it is to Mike Jones. Antler up Edmonton. Touchdown Elks. To the back of the end zone for Mike Jones. He's got his first in green and gold. Second and seven from the 48. Harris to the far side up in the air and that is complete and it is complete to Ellingson down the sidelines he gets bumped inside the 40 and goes out of bounds another big gain for Greg Ellingson who's having a monster evening James Wilder Jr. who'll get the football he'll go to the left he'll go to the right he'll go straight
2: to and find a hole across the 50 he'll get to the
1: and it takes three Lions to take him down at the 31-yard line. Huge game for James Wilder Jr. First down, Elks. Looked like this play was going to be shut off on a one-yard gain, no yard. All Wilder does is he takes a couple steps back and then a lane opens up for him and he goes down the near left sideline. Rumble, young man, rumble. And the Elks have won their first game of the season. A 21-16 victory over the B.C. Lions here at B.C. Place. They didn't win it at home. They found the answer on the road in Vancouver.
3: So there it is, 21-16, the Edmonton Elks with their first win of the season, and it happens over the BC Lions, and the first win of his CFL career as a head coach for Jamie Elizondo.
0: Well, anytime you get a win, it feels great, and uh, it's not about me. It's about those guys in the locker room. They played a great game, you know, and I thought it was a a collective team win. Defense was resilient, bowed up when they had to, and then, uh, you know, offense uh, took that last drive and, 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 uh, you know, just ran the ball, and that's, that's a sign of a good team. So a really good team win. Proud of those guys.
3: Elizondo on the play of a very ferocious defense that sacked Mike Riley and disrupted him uh, on several other occasions, but they did sack him three times
0: yeah those guys got after got after mike and anytime you can you can hit any quarterback early it makes a difference and uh you know early on in that half that first half there was a lot of noise around mike and uh you know i think one of the things that we talked about as a, as a team not only defensively was you know coming in and having a little bit more of an edge to us and and you know feeling like we own the place and uh you know defense always sets a tone in that regard and they, they did a great job um, you know we made a few mistakes on the back end that we got to clean up but uh uh, overall, really, really proud again of how how our defense is coming along. Yeah, they
3: came uh, with a very physical edge indeed. And uh, when you're holding the top two receivers through the first two weeks in the CFL, and Lucky Whitehead it was number one, and Brian Burnham number two, and combined they were about 65 yards on six catches. Yeah, you're you're doing something right. But uh, at times they were a little leaky. Um, I think at times. Uh, they kind of got lost in coverage a little bit. They got lucky, too, because, uh, you know, Brian Walker took a penalty uh, for uh, pass interference. The And he's just getting back in after being off COVID protocol at the Sam linebacker spot. And, um, you know, he uh, he had a bit of a tough night, I would say. But you look at up front, uh, Thomas Costigan played extremely well with Jake Ceresna. And this is without Kwaku Boateng. Who has, uh, is a tremendous defensive end, one of the best Canadian players, if not the best in the in the country, uh, and he's uh, on the shelf for we don't know how long uh, because of COVID protocol, and that happened uh, early on Wednesday afternoon. That we got word of that, that he was out of the game. But uh, front four was very ferocious. That first hit, Mike Moore delivered on Mike Riley. Oh, I mean, Mike Riley took a beating. And shows you how tough he is. He's a very tough guy. We all know that for sure. Now, it wasn't good for everyone after the win. Uh, special teams continues to be an issue. And they gave up a 57-yard return from Chris Rainey on the opening kickoff. And coming in, they were struggling in the return game, struggling in the cover game. And Chris Ripon is now no longer a member of the Edmonton Elks. He was fired today. And uh, 19.5-yard punt return average is what they gave up uh, in the first two games. It was better yesterday, but there were still some mistakes as well. And uh, giving up a a return touchdown in the Montreal game doesn't help. And uh, Terry Williams has a 6.7-yard punt average and a 19.9-yard kickoff return average. Now, yesterday, he had a return of 20 yards for for, uh, his last punt return of the game. That's his best, and he had a 34-yard kickoff return. So we're starting to see maybe the the better of Terry Williams, but Chris Ripon, who, you know, I think uh, likable, a lot of experience, 37 years in NCAA, ten as a special teams coordinator, first time up here in the CFL. He really, really struggled. And yes, you probably noticed late in the fourth quarter, uh, Jamie Elizondo, who was very fiery yesterday, and I think that was a bit of a, a bit of a benefit too for the team because. A lot of times your head coach is uh, the one that will set the tone, and I think I don't think Elizondo's going to do it necessarily, but he was definitely very fired up yesterday. Uh, There was an exchange between him and Ripon. Actually, it wasn't an exchange. It was Ripon uh, listening uh, to a very upset Jamie Elizondo, and it looked like he had a very reserved look on his face uh, or or resigned look on his face, I should say. So anyway, here we are. The Elks are one and two
0: Got your happy price, Priceline.
3: Uh, six days from now from BMO Field in Toronto. It's Campbell for Wilkins, back with more in a moment. We have uh, a result for Canada, and it's a good one at the Women's World Hockey Championships in Calgary. Down two nothing early to Finland, and they rallied to the win by a score of five to three. So very impressive uh, for uh, for Canada, as uh, Brian Jenner was the uh, player who gave the uh, team. It, I, this happened fast, so they were up three two. And Finland scores, and then Canada able to take the lead, and then it's Brianne Jenner that gives uh, Canada the five three lead. So they are one and zero to start the tournament, and uh, Finland is uh, a very interesting team in this uh, in this tournament. It's not uh, it's it's not considered a guarantee that it's going to be Canada and U.S. in the final. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the Jays are in action tonight. They are taking on the Detroit Tigers and I can tell you that it's one nothing for the Toronto Blue Jays. They're in the bottom of the fifth inning with uh, this game taking place in Toronto CFL tonight. It will be the Calgary Stampeders looking for the first win of the series of uh, the season, trying to do it with a third string quarterback who is now the backup in Jake Meyer, because bully Mitchell is out with a broken fibula. They'll take on the one and O Montreal Alouettes who, uh, handled the edmonton elks pretty well last saturday but we'll talk we'll continue to talk about the win yesterday by the elks from bc place stadium in vancouver as they uh get their first win of the season pulled even with the lions in the standings at one and two in the western division it is campbell in for wilson
0: i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, my, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I
1: didn't want to do another
0: stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
3: It's the Friday evening edition of 630 Chad Inside Sports. Thanks for tuning in.
1: who's
3: having a monster evening did he ever have a monster evening targeted 10 times nine catches 148 yards and this is coming off a week one performance or week two performance where he had one catch for one yard on five targets says he gets off track he really wasn't off track just maybe a you know like the offense an unusual start but he talked about the flow of the offense last night it's uh, more natural, you know, kind of what
1: we're used to. Um, it, it also helps to get in a rhythm and, you know, having uh, our left is Kyle Sachs back, and, you know, that's definitely a big time, too. And, uh, I mean, also helps when the defense is getting their offense off the field and it gives, gives us more time to get some drives and get in a rhythm. So uh, I think it was just, you know, one, just watching uh, their, their game film. I mean, you know, obviously game, game plan against a team that's been playing football. And, and also I think we just found a little bit of rhythm tonight and, uh, you know, it definitely helps when you're balanced and, you know, have an attack where you can pass and run the ball.
3: As we bring in uh, one of our in-game analysts for Edmonton Elks broadcast here on 6:30, Ched, uh, the man who is always flowing well is uh, is Blake Dermott. Blake, <laughs> hi Dave, how you doing? I don't know. I, 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 that was a terrible throw, and I've been up for a long time today, so uh, making excuses talking. and whining.
2: <laughs> kind of funny, but. Uh... <laughs> You know, oh, good. <laughs> as long as you're getting thrown to, uh, just ask Jane, uh, just ask Ellingson. As long as you're getting thrown to, that's a good thing.
3: <laughs> well, exactly. And why wouldn't Trevor Harris throw to Greg Ellingson? He's been doing it for all of his career, pretty much since like 2016. Yeah. But man, it was magic yesterday.
2: And he made some. He made a couple of really outstanding catches. Uh, that one along the sidelines was a great catch. And you, you could just tell that he was he was uh, ready to have the ball come to him. And uh, and you know, Harris. I think I think what he did really well yesterday, what Trevor Harris did, that he didn't do in the previous game, um, is that in the, in the first game he, he he threw the ball fairly well. He was like I think he was over 300 something yards. Uh, the uh, the second game, he missed a lot of open receivers, and I and I wonder if mm-hmm. uh, he, he he was almost locked into guys sometimes. And and but it, but this game he just it was like just like has uh, uh, said. There was a free flow. He was able to read. He saw the guys. He hit. He he took the, took the chance to throw the ball. And there was a couple that were really tight throws that could have gone the other way, but uh, I, I I I think Trevor Harris was feeling it, and he threw the ball and was counting on his guys to make catches and they did. And you know I wanted to see. And I said one of my one of my
3: things I'm watching for yesterday, is if something bad happens in early in the game. So if they go down drive the field and they have to settle for a field goal all right how do they respond off of that well Trevor Harris throws a pick and it wasn't a very good good throw and a good decision by by Trevor Harris but we finally saw the unflappable Trevor Harris that we have seen over the last couple of you know couple of seasons prior is that he just is able to shake it off and 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 go ahead and, and just keep Keep slinging the football, and I think that was key too. Is that I think in the first two games we saw the offense especially sag, and they didn't do that yesterday. They they just held in there and they took a big blow, but they they delivered some blows back.
2: Well, I think I think uh, a thing that was complimentary to the offense was was that the defense was relentless. You know, they were they were really strong yesterday, and so they didn't give. You know, in, in the game against Montreal, it was like uh, the the offense sagged and and the defense allowed drives, and then they, and they may not have allowed a lot of points early, but they you know it was it wasn't that opportunity to get the the offense back out on the field uh, as, as, like it was yesterday. The the defense when the offense had a, a, a you know a non productive series, the defense got the ball right back to them, and uh, so th- by that you know that was so, so much more a team game thing yesterday, and uh, and then of course. You know, they, you're right. All the things that you said about the offense—you have guys like uh, James Wilder, who, who up until really the last drive had sort of a—he uh, had a decent game, but it was a little bit pedestrian in that he—I think it was around 65 yards or something going into the last series—and ended up with 127 and uh, yeah. 125. You know, so. But the when you've got the running game that can take pressure off your passing game, which is, you know, probably the most balanced this Elks team has looked in in a few years. When you've got a guy who is averaging pretty close to 100 yards a game on the ground, and uh, um, well, he might be over 100 yards a game on the ground now uh, after three games, and then you've got a, a quarterback that's throwing the ball—you know, leading the league and throwing it uh, roughly 850 yards at this point after three games. That's uh, that's pretty darn good. Uh, you know, that's that's a that's a decent offense. The only thing that is is. Uh, you know, when you look at it on paper, that looks like a pretty darn good offense. But then, when when you see how many points they put on the board, you go, "Ah, oh, what's wrong? What's going on?" And and I think yeah. yesterday took some big steps to getting to getting to where they want to be. They can move the ball. They can stop the other teams. Their defense is playing lights out. They're leading the league in quarterback sacks before this game tonight. They and that's with their arguably their best pass rusher out. And uh, and they just you know they took a guy who was a CFL uh, you know. Top player last week, and 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 made them look. Their offense was, I think, less than 200 yards, and he was less than 100 yards passing. You know, so so this was this was just a, an, an outstanding team effort. But they'll figure out how to score points. If they just keep playing like yeah. this, they're going to win way more games. Than they're going to lose.
3: Yeah, no question. Uh, Blake dermot joining us, uh, one of our in-game analysts here on 6:30. Chad uh, Edmonton Elks broadcast uh here on uh, on 6:30. Chad with the Elks winning 26. 26- to uh, 26, 21, 16 over the BC Lions uh, yesterday. Uh, you, you mentioned the defense and, and Jamie Elizondo, I think he he basically said it in training camp. Our defense are the tone setters, um, and they came out and set a huge tone. I mean, Mike Moore didn't really show up on the stat sheet, but man, he was a he was a menace. Uh, I'll get back to him in a moment. But you know, like you said, no Kwaku Boteng. Uh, I think that may, would make most people who watch this team very nervous. But Thomas Costigan, finally got his name right, uh, had a tremendous game in tandem with Jake Serezna. But uh, we'll talk about them in a minute. Uh, but the, that first hit Mike Riley took from Mike Moore that was huge and then they lose their left tackle which was another significant moment in the game but mike riley we all know how tough he is and unfortunately for him unfortunately for the elks they really tested that yesterday
2: you know one of the things that i thought that uh, in in looking at three games now um that and this is all over across the board well i I suppose with the exception of special teams and i guess we'll get to that point a little bit later as well but the The uh, um, offensive and defensive. I really liked the way the game was called. Offensively, the game. I think that contributed to the flow that Ellingson was talking about. Uh, I thought the, the the play calling was really strong, and uh, it was timely. And when when the w- with very few exceptions, when the plays were called, the guys uh, the guys produced. There was a couple of run plays that, that you know that uh, Wilder got stuffed behind the line of scrimmage, but defensively. The the calling of the twists that they ran, and that that play that you're talking about with uh, with the uh, hit on Mike Riley was a twist. And uh, they, they ran the twist really, really well where they brought a, a guy and, um, uh, Moore came around uh, on, on the stunt and was right in the face of uh, Mike Riley, and that happened a number of times where the ball was thrown, but he was on the ground and uh, as a result of some of those twists and I, I think that was just yeah. that was key to the defense having as much success as, as they did uh, especially affecting Mike, um, uh, Riley's ability to be able to throw the ball. And, you know, when, when it comes to
3: challenging the group, come with an attitude like that we own the place and come with a better edge and something we didn't really see. I think we saw it from the defense in the first game, didn't really see it in the second game. Everyone really was listless in the second game. But I thought even the head coach himself had a lot of uh, fire. Now, not Jason Moss fire. We're very used to seeing that. But I thought he brought his own edge to 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 the team and for example um i know they reviewed the the field goal uh with sean white and they were going to wipe it out but you know I, I know the command center ended up calling down to al bradbury the head official but jamie elizondo would not give up on that and i thought for him as the head coach last night i thought i saw a lot of battle within him uh, within him uh, yesterday
2: well, it's funny how uh, how that stuff starts to jump out uh, to the forefront when you're when you your first two games at, at home. you know i think I think mm-hmm. everybody felt that this there was a um a, a sense of urgency with this win and, and and you know one of the things again with Ellington said and this was echoed through by, by a bunch of players, you know you you finally got a chance to see a team on film play a real game. So you could prepare and and believe me uh, football players uh, much like unlike a lot of different sports because there was so much video to watch because plays are specific and they had typically have a static start. So there are certain keys that you can pick up. I know everybody watches film and hockey and stuff like that, but that's such a free-flowing game. Football is very static. So when they do certain things, you expect certain things, and and uh, and they had a chance to study that, and I think they had a, they did a really nice job of being uh, being able to prepare the team, the coaches uh, from the Elks, to be able to pr- prepare the team, and I thought that was uh, that was a key to how well they played y- uh, yesterday.
3: Blake Dermot joining us here on 630 Chet Inside Sport. So it's not all rosy today, though. Um, You don't often see this, especially after a win, but we know the special teams has been struggling so far this year. We know they've given up one return touchdown. Could have been two because the the, uh, trick play... In game one that the Ottawa Redblacks pulled off uh, was called back, which was a very close play. It was called a forward pass. Uh, There's, you know, angles lying and all that stuff. But anyway, I digress. They gave up a 57-yard return at the start of the game. Terry Williams, I don't know, you know, now we're questioning the returner again because we have a quality returner here who... You know, cannot get any room, cannot find the edge. Can is struggling, I think, himself and is struggling with what's in front of him. But now Chris Rippon is no longer the special teams coordinator. Uh, I was a little concerned going in because they, they made the change from AJ Gass to Rippon. And, uh, you know, I, I, like, we got a chance to talk to him as well as we can talk to him in in, this, in these pandemic times. But uh, 37 years experience, 10 years as a special teams coordinator on the NCAA came up here and there was a moment in the game late uh, last night uh, or late in the fourth quarter where Elizondo kind of was giving it to rip on a bit, but here we are. And, you know, as well as the offense and defense played, minus Sean White, special teams is a real, real kind of eyesore right now, and now you got rid of your special teams coordinator. I don't know where they're going to go from here.
2: Well, you know, one of the things that uh, I, they, they'll either – bring somebody in or somebody will assume that position or what they will do is, um, and, and this may not be the most effective way to do it, but I've seen this done before where each unit is res- like, there's, there's certain units responsible for those specific, uh, uh, special team plays such as, uh, right. you know, uh, you know, you've you got punt return, so defensive coaches will take punt return, will take a field goal block, will take those, those kinds of things. And then just and then spread it around so that somebody who's got some, uh, uh, you know, maybe has some special teams experience will take, handle kickoff, kickoff, return. And then you've got, uh, you know, maybe an offensive coach will handle punt the punt team. So you, you can cover it with other guys. You don't specifically have one guy. But, uh, I mean, that may be an option that they're going to go. Um, or maybe they'll bring somebody in. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. But my, my guess is, is that somebody will assume, uh, or someone or a group of people will assume that position. And, uh, and, and you know, I mean, it, it can't be any worse than it was. And and, and it's not always the coach's fault, trust me. Mm. Uh, but, but when when you, when you have a coach get relieved of his job, especially this early in the season, there's uh, unless there's a bunch of guys that don't like him. Um, there's there's a there's a whole bunch of guilt that goes within the team where guys feel like they contributed to somebody losing his job, and uh, so I would not be surprised that whatever uh, path they take over the next uh, you know few games, uh, you're going to see a, a concerted effort to be better on special teams, to be better on coverage, because because let's face it, when you're when you're uh, uh, only have a 28 yard net average on punt, uh, which is what the, the Elks had going into that game. Um, yeah. That's just getting downfield, making a tackle. You know, that's what that is. Um, and when you're getting ret- uh, uh, kickoff returns right up the pipe, that's just guys not being in their proper lanes or getting blocked, or allowing themselves to be. There was that old adage with special teams: is it's okay to be blocked, but it's, it's not okay to stay blocked. So that's that that desire and that want to get off a block to be able to make uh, a play. Like Miller, who's uh, you know going to be the all-time. I think he's in Winnipeg. He's going to be the all-time uh, tackler. He used to be here in. Uh, in edmonton uh those guys yeah. they're just they're they're invaluable because they for some some way somehow they always find themselves to the ball, kind of like Costigan did over the last couple of games, yeah.
3: <laughs> and our, our resident general manager eddie Steele pointed out that Costigan should be uh <laughs> should be a starter next game, so now we need to apply for a job <laughs> with eddie as yeah. our, as our as our assistant general manager jobs right well,
2: well like you that. but you brought it up too in the post game but i'm just i, I just had to bring up the fact that. Eddie brought it up, uh, you know, about an hour earlier. So, yeah, maybe you're the assistant. I know, yeah, I didn't Eddie realize that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you have no idea how many people, it's amazing, like, you know, I'm on the air and I'm doing a lot of stuff in the breaks and it's unbelievable how many people will text me during a game. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's funny. So, I saw, I saw what Eddie said, like, I think in the, I don't know, when I saw it, it was after when I said it, and I'm like, oh, he said it already. Well, silly yeah. me. <laughs> so...
2: <laughs> Uh, no, hey uh sir. go ahead. No, go ahead. Well I was just gonna I was just gonna make the uh a simple comment that uh um the, the, I, I believe special teams will be better and if they can yeah. if they can fix that part of the game, uh defense is rolling along, if they can continue with that role and, and offense is getting a little bit better every game, this is gonna be, you know, let the panic will stop. I like the position they are they're in going in against Toronto. And, uh, and, you know, we'll see tonight how injured Bo Levi is and how Calgary is going to look without him. And uh, that that could be a really nice position heading into Labor Day.
3: Yeah, no question. And there's there's part of me. You said how hurt Bo Levi is. I mean, how many times has it happened where oh Bo might be out long term? Oh, he's ready to start on Labor Day, and he's gonna he's gonna be scintillating because that's all he's been against yeah. uh, this franchise on Labor Days. But maybe this is maybe luck has run out for him. I don't know what it is, but it's a uh, uh, tough sledding. I I can't imagine a Calgary Stampeder team going zero and three at the start of the season. But when you look what happened, what has happened, it's. Uh, it's kind of clear to see, and it kind of shows you how important that win was last night by the Elks. I mean, that, they got to start keeping the gap close to uh, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan and stay even with BC, and maybe they can start pulling away from Calgary early.
2: Well, you know, if if they don't win, and, and we we said this last week, even though we were disappointed in, in, the, in the way the Elks played, and I know the Elks were very disappointed in the way they played against Montreal, let's face it, that Montreal team is a good team. And uh, they, they were tr- they've been trending over the last couple of years to be a better team and, and Gohari has got those guys playing so well and uh, he's uh, he's obviously a, a very good coach and has that lo- the locker room has his back, he has their back, and those guys are playing for him and he's got a good coaching staff and uh, if, if Calgary is in fact uh, you know uh, without Bo Levi for a while, uh, this is not the, 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 um, this is not the team if they had to choose uh, a team that they would play in this situation. The Alouettes are not the team that, is that they want to play because they're a pretty good football team.
3: No. Well, I'm I was a little encouraged by another uh by another football game yesterday, even though it's preseason. because uh, the last time we talked about our New England Patriots, we were lamenting Cam Newton. Uh eight of <laughs> yeah. nine, hundred three yards and a touchdown. Maybe we'll see a better Cam Newton this year. <laughs> I don't well, know. Well,
2: you know what, <laughs> it was just exhibition, but I thought both the quarterbacks looked really good. I think there's uh, there's a uh, a brewing quarterback uh, um, scandal uh, or potential uh, thing going on here in in New England, and I think over the over the course of the year, you, you always say this: you need to have a, a good backup in case one guy gets dinged. and And uh, uh, I, I think they they look very very good, but the Philadelphia looked very very bad. So.
3: <laughs> oh, they sure did. So, like you say, it's only preseason, but. We're we're trying to flush 2020 as quickly as we can here. So hopefully, better things for uh, our Patriots in 2021. Blake, hey, thank yeah. you so much for this. As always, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Okay, Dave. Thank you. That's Blake Dermott, one of our in-game analysts on 6:30 Chad Edmonton Elks broadcast. And the next one will be this coming Thursday from BMO Field in Toronto. You can catch the game countdown to kickoff starts at four. And the game between uh, the Elks and the Argos is at five 30 with Morley Scott, yours truly, Blake Dermont, Eddie Steele. It'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting setup. I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. i'll just I'll just save it. It's going to be interesting. back in a moment All right, so. So we give you the scoreboard here in the uh, C- CEBL Championship Weekend. Niagara River lines up 8177 on the Fraser Valley Bandits, so they're getting into Elam ending time. The next game will be the Edmonton uh, Stingers taking on the Ottawa Blackjacks, who are uh, the Stingers got to be the favorite, 13-1 Blackjacks are 4-10. So the Stingers hoping to break through and get to the uh, championship game for the second time in uh, two seasons. The, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays up one nothing on the Detroit Tigers still to come in the CFL. The Calgary Stampeders at home to the Montreal Alouettes and a 5-3 win by uh, Canadian Women's National Team in game one of the Women's World Hockey Championships over Finland. Hey, we're going to talk about that in the next half hour. Looking forward to talking to Alyssa Longmuir. That and much more. Talk about the the World Triathlon. Classic here in uh, Edmonton, as well as it's Campbell in for Wilkins on 630 Chad Inside Sports.
0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.